Poetry. What is it good for? Is a production of Bar Crawl Radio Podcast. According to poet Darius Dautry, a poem cannot save a life, cannot fend off a dark alley attack, make you less woman or less poor or less black and thus treated equal, but a poem can introduce you to yourself. Poetry, What Is It Good For? is a podcast that uses poetry to consider that which troubles us with two poets who know each other's work. I'm Alan Winson, joined by Rebecca McKean and Chris Brandt, and we explore the immense practicality of poetry. This program was first recorded at Gephardt's Beer Culture Bar, February 2020. Peace, 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 peace. We're the Peace Poets. We are a collective of artists from the Bronx that celebrate, examine, and advocate for life through music and poetry. Our art can take you on a journey from the boogie down to Berlin, from the border to the bodega. Subscribe to our YouTube. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and SoundCloud to stay up on our latest musical releases. Peace. I'm Chris Brandt, and this is the second program in the BCR series, Poetry, What's It Good For? Today, our conversation will honor and celebrate the work of the peace poets, five young men from the Bronx, Luaya, Emmanuel Candelario, the last MC, Abraham, Abraham Velasquez, ABE, Franz Jerome, Ram 3, and Frank Lopez, Frank 4. And today we have Luaya and Frank Lopez with us. I am Rebecca McCain, and today we will be talking with those two peace poets on the porch at Gephardt's Beer Culture Bar, across the street from the mortuary and down the block from the most magnificent urban park in the world, Central Park, where we should all take some time to imagine... Get it? Imagine. Uh, that's why yeah. I put imagine in. Imagine right there <laughs> right. across the street from where John Lennon used to live. Yep. Imagine. A better world. I'm glad you got it. <laughs> I got it. Okay. <laughs> so Sorry. after earning his BFA from NYU, Frank Lopez worked as a facilitator for Tisch Special Programs, teaching poetry to young people in New York City, Dominican Republic, Cuba, Ireland, and Singapore. He gets around. He has worked as a director of photography and editor and was nominated for the NYU Oliver Stone Screenwriting Award. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, well, there's more than that. We're going to get to it. Okay. <laughs> Lou Aya graduated from Fordham University with a BA in public health and healing and with a minor in Latin American and Latino studies. He has worked in 15 countries, including Ecuador, Sudan, Kenya, Lebanon, Palestine, Afghanistan, and Nepal on community building with a focus on peace, art, human rights, and communal health. Since 2008, Lou works at the Kingsbridge Heights Community Center, teaching and learning poetry with the youth in his neighborhood. Lou, it's good to see you. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen you in a year. So good to see you, too. Good. Yeah. Uh, do you know what you're drinking? Um, did you, you pay drinking? attention? Uh-oh. I mean, I definitely ordered it. <laughs> <laughs> You knew at one point. It looks like the same thing we have. What is yours called, Alan? Yeah, my, my, mine's um, Bell's Hop Slam. That was exactly That's what it. I got. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But is it the same thing? 
It, it, she, it kind of a little sweet? she actually told me that you ordered it. Right. Okay. And right, therefore, right. I didn't need to know anything about it. True. True. Yeah. True. You clearly like it because you're halfway you like through it? it. It's really good. Yeah, it's it really is good, good, right? Right. Well, don't drink any more because it's 10%. I know, exactly. Oh. So you're It's gonna, a limited, oh, 10%. You yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm going real slow here because otherwise I'll lose my sense. That was her suggestion. <laughs> the, as by well. the time we had Chris here, we were just drinking vodka shots. Oh, wow. For, for one of our fun. shows. That was yeah. fun. Yeah, his, his fun. troop had gone to, uh, to, to Russia. Russia. Yeah. Oh, so, we had so we had a bottle, bottle of vodka and ice, and Tito's. we were just shooting nice. vodka. And by the end of it, I'm not sure what we were saying. It's Bar Call Radio. We were, we were coaching. It's online. Track. It's online. Yeah, it was yeah, fine. Can, it was say, fine. Yeah, it, does, it does make so, sort of make sense. It can be used against us. No, <laughs> though I sounded like a school mom in the background. I'm not doing a shot. No, I don't want to do a shot. <laughs> I'm just going to sip it. So just well, welcome to Bar Call Radio. Thank you. We're really honored to have you on. Yeah. Thank you so much. We thought we'd start to get to know these two poets, not with a conversation, but with poetry. So... Could each perform one of your pieces? Yeah, so Go you have something it. chosen? And, no. and are you down for the, uh, the group piece, actually? Yeah, sure. Yeah. We're, we're down for anything okay, cool. you yeah, want to yeah, do. Whatever you want to do. Peace of the poets? Yeah. All right. So when I say people, you say power, people. Power. power. People. Power. power. When I say we want, y'all say justice. We justice. want justice. We want justice. And when I say we are, you say rising. We are rising. We are rising. When I say we are, y'all say beautiful. We are beautiful. We are beautiful. I say peace to the poets who propagate peace. From the west side, baby, down south to the east. Rock it hard for your pops, moms, nephew, nephew and niece. niece Doing this out of love because war, war is, is a beast. beast I say peace to the poets behind their bars like a convict mm -hmm. People thinking peace is an absence, absence of, of conflict. conflict It's really the ability to cope with it right. To deal with it, to cry with it, to, to hope, hope with it, it. We spit for all ages, grad, grad school to third graders, in a mosque, in a church, from, from baptism, baptism to satyrs. We spit to uplift the gift that, that God, God gave us, the power of the word, because we heard it might save us. So we say peace to the poets who, who propagate, propagate peace, and power to the people who, who march in these streets, streets, and word to the workers who, who walk in bare feet, and light to the writers who, who fight to get, get free. free. I see me in you, and, and you in me, in the streets of Cochabamba, taking back El Agua, rocking Sandinista parties, when we took my Nawa, shook my fist in Nueva York, and no a la guerra, environmentalist to protect la tierra, and I'm a feminist, yo respeto mi madre, soy padre y bebé, the struggle of every day, abuelita y ejita, soy la gente que grita, el pueblo unido, I'm the people united, and I will never be divided, I'm the people who riot, and I will never be quiet, I'm the one to rebel, throw stuck in a cell, I'm the people who see, we are not yet free, cause I am the people, and the people... On me. Peace. Peace. Very nice. Yeah. Peace poets. <laughs> Whoa. Good to be with you. Well, so you That's guys powerful. Came, you guys are so good. Yeah. yeah. Respect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, you guys came out of... Wow. Uh, you trained together a lot, for a long time now, for a decade. Mm -hmm. A little more yes. than a decade. Yes. Um, and you, you, you started off many years ago with Brotherhood, Sister Souls, ly Lyrical Cycle in Harlem. So tell us about that training and what you learned there and how you get started. Yeah, so the Brotherhood Sister Soul is a youth organization based in Harlem, a rites of passage focus organization for black and brown youth uh, uptown. 
And growing up, uh, we became part of an after-school program called the Lyrical Circle, um, where every Friday we would get together and we would share our poems and our raps. Um, however, we were, there was a twist on it because it was also the space where we, we were politicized in many ways. So the assignments that they gave us were um, based on some educational and based on some uh, focus issues, everything from uh, sexism, racism, um, misogyny, to political education, to conflict resolution, leadership development. And so uh, one of our first assignments was to go home and write a poem on Araminta. Everybody came back the next week with uh, poems on Harriet Tubman, uh, Araminta being her real name, Araminta Ross. And so it was a place where we were learning about black and brown leadership growing up. Uh, it was definitely a secondary education and in so many ways a primary education. How old were you? Uh, 17 years old. Okay. That time. All right. Yeah. Um, and you all are now in your mid-30s? Mid-30s, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. And so when did you decide to... to turn this into a, a five-guy uh, collective artistic venture. Yeah. Some would say <laughs> as, as soon as three years old. Because uh, we grew up together as well. So um, I've known Abraham since uh, we were three. Then really? Emmanuel, we met in grade school. Uh, mm -hmm. Franz, we met in high school. And then Emmanuel met uh, Lou in uh, college. Mm -hmm. yeah. Can I say a little bit about your neighborhood, where, where, where you grew up? So I grew up in uh, Washington Heights, uptown Manhattan, uh, the little Dominican Republic. Uh -huh. um, and uh, yeah, and also just growing up with Abe, who's my best friend since three, the right. South Bronx as well. And Lou, where, where did you grounds. grow up? Um, when I was a kid, I lived up in Massachusetts, and then I came down to New York, where I lived in South America. So you America. were not a city boy? No, no, not, not in the same way as uh, yeah. the rest of the crew. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so my, f my family's from New York, so I always came back and was around New York when I was a little kid. So it was in, like, my other home, but uh, then I lived in Ecuador and then came back in the Bronx. And so for these last 20 years, the Bronx has been home in this country. Right, yeah, right. I still feel a little bit more at home in other places. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's be, interesting. To be honest. So whose yeah. who's <laughs> idea was it, I'm curious, about we're going to be, did you start off as peace poets? Is that was did that was that the first idea? You were really inspired together? by that after school program. Um, yeah, well, at the after school program, we were all uh, individual artists. Um, we would collaborate on some pieces. We'd say, "Hey, next Friday, let's come in with um, some collaborations." Wow. Uh, one of the first collaborations was myself and Abe, so we were odds and even, <laughs> and um, and then we formed uh, before uh, Luke came into the fold. We were a rap group called the Cipher Matrix. Oh. And it was <laughs> oh. it was uh, about uh, in many ways seeing behind the, the matrix and like mm -hmm. deconstructing society. Was that about like, the time the movie came out? It was around the time the movie so came out. So you were inspired out. by that? Yeah. Guy. So the cipher, you know, the, so that's right. So the the cipher, right? The mm -hmm. zero, right? right. right? And uh, also the place of the circle, um, which we. So continue. what was the inspiration of peace poets? Right. That's it. Because now you, I mean, you you work with activists, right? Am I wrong? Yes, I, but also uh, during that time in that organization, um, there were some campaigns that the organization was taking on where we as young people were stepping into the fold using our okay. art, not as intentionally as we are today. As you are today. Um, right. But that was in many ways some of the seeds. Right. There was many uh, seeds. Yeah, I would say because that education that we were receiving was so political that it com was completely intertwined already with what was happening in the streets, with the organizing that was happening 
anti-war work, anti-gentrification work, work around police accountability. So all of our poems that were about the reality of our world that we were living and experiencing every day were naturally fit. They naturally supported the organizations that were working for justice every day in the streets. And so for us, the transition came when we said, actually, what we want to do is use the power of our lyrics that people, you know, responded to really powerfully. People said, come perform here. Can you share a poem here? Can you share a song here? We want, we want you on this stage. We really were called into it by the movements who needed the power of culture, the power of music and art and poetry. And so, and in so, many, in so many ways, I would like to just give credit to those who gave us that powerful education about the truth of our world and helped us make the connections between our own personal stories, what was happening in the streets, what has happened in the history of this country and the history of all of our peoples, to be able to say, let's actually activate this art for social justice. And then that's the story of the Peace Poets. The reason we're called the Peace Poets in many ways is becomes from our mentors, our educators, who work for peace in different ways. Everybody from Dr. King uh, and our heroes uh, like that, that we didn't have the opportunity to meet, to those who we did have the opportunity to meet, some who are still with us, right? Like uh, Father Daniel Berrigan or Cornell West, people who are living this life of love and a dedication to justice in a way and that's inspired us and was like, now's the time to activate this art for justice and peace as much as we possibly can. So you kind of became what you are based on there was a need. And you got called to it and you found out who you were as you were doing it. Yeah, yeah I, but, I feel but, like a lot of our vocation, vocational work, because this is vocational, is because of community calling us in. Right, mm-hmm. and, so true. Yeah. Well, so you do, yeah, Chris, you, go ahead. You're, you're not the only ones who are doing this these days. I just read a very interesting thing about the... Um, no Coal, No Gas uh, collective up in Massachusetts, New Hampshire, mm. who've been stopping coal trains, mm. bringing in coal to a coal-fired power plant and trying to shut down the power plant. One of the, one of the main things they do is sing songs. Mm. And you guys, I know when, 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 we, when the first time I met you guys, um, you were teaching us songs in a demonstration down in Washington, D.C., mm. And the remarkable thing was that when we sang the songs, instead of going across the street to get away from us the way they would when we were chanting chants, hmm. like, what do we want? Mm-hmm. When do we want it? Now. Mm-hmm. You know? And as soon as we started singing songs, they started crossing the street the other direction to be <laughs> with us. Mm-hmm. And that was entirely you guys. Mm-hmm. How did you come to that? How did you come to realize that that, that would work? Was it experiment or... Yeah, I mean, there's a really powerful story about during the housing crisis, right, when people across the country were experiencing the pain of losing their homes uh, to the banks who had been bailed out when the people had been sold out. We worked with a bunch of organizers who were actually a group called Organizing for Occupation before Occupy Wall Street Hmm. started. This happened here in New York City. They said, we have to do something in the auctions. People are losing their homes. And we as lawyers and we as and people who are actually the, the folks that were losing their homes are in the courtroom. And it's like a moment in which this injustice happens. We see it. We feel it. And I was in one of those meetings that said, what's the direct action that we're going to take to stop this foreclosure auction? And I kind of in the back of the room, I'll never forget. It. I said, well, you know, I got a song. And they were like, oh. all right, well, let's hear the song. Oh. You know? And <laughs> I sang go. the song. and they and Can we hear it? Yeah, yeah. of course. And, and I sang the song there, and they said, 
okay, cool, let's use that. And they were on to the next part of the meeting. And a week later in Brooklyn Supreme Court, uh, as the business as usual was happening, and the judge came in or the auctioneer came in, and uh, they began the proceedings. And all of a sudden in a courtroom in Brooklyn, a very unlikely sound was emerged. It sounded like, listen, auctioneer, all the people here. We're asking you to hold all the sales right now. We're going to survive, but we don't know how. Listen, auctioneer, all the people here. We're asking you to hold all the sales right now. We're going to survive, but we don't know how. And that day, they stood up. They, they tried to get us to be quiet, and we sang even louder. And they brought in the police, and they got on a megaphone, and we sang even louder. And they could not conduct the auction. And a video of that was shared around the country, and people started sending us videos of them doing the direct action from Colorado and California and Florida and Cleveland. And years later, I would continue to meet people who said, yeah, we, one time we used a song in an action. We sang a song, shut it down a foreclosure auction during the housing crisis. And I said, yeah, let me hear the song, you know? And they would, they would sing that song. And, 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 <laughs> and it came back to when they sang this vi- the, when, when they saw this video, uh, they wanted to do the action. And something clicked for us. We said, if we can sing the song that taps into what people are feeling, then all of the sudden, people around the country are going to say, I want to sing it. I want to do the action. I want to stop business as usual. I want to shut this system down. Not the way, not just by throwing my body and chanting and yelling in the way that they expect us to, but surprising them. Uh, as a friend said during that time, an incredible leader in this group said, uh, we need to surprise them and shock them with our loveliness and even confuse them with our loveliness. And that's what that action did. And since that time, we've been writing songs for direct action. Wow. So um, just for our listeners, um, I know, Chris, you know what they do, Alan. You know what these guys do. Yeah. But I don't think that it's completely clear yet. Um, I get an idea. I mean, I'm, I'm representing the audience. So my understanding is that you work with activist organizations. You go on their protests with them. And you, you sing these songs, and you you engage the, the the protesters to join you, and and that way you express your own um, activism too. Yeah, but you're more than that. You're also educators. You're community organizers. Yes. You're you're hip hop artists. You're they, they teach the songs yeah. to large groups of people, and then we go out on the streets and sing these songs, and the the reaction is amazing. This is really, this is, I think, a thing that a lot of musicians and, and artists who are incredibly talented, and many times I feel like much more talented than myself, that are making beautiful music for the movement, they don't make a certain connection. And the reason that they're not necessarily on stage at a rally or people are not necessarily singing their songs in the street is simple. And let me explain it. It's relationship. Like so much in our life is you have to, we are in relationship with organizers. We were organizers around different issues and then, and we were separately artists and poets and MCs. Then we started to actually say, no, we want to bring our songs into the protest. But the way to do that isn't showing up on the day of with a beautiful song. It's being in the organizing meeting. meeting. <laughs> you know, it's like you got to be there before. And say, like I said, I was there in the meeting. I said, this is what we're going to sing. No one would have had time or energy or space in their mind as an organizer to listen to that if I showed up the day of. And so really the lesson learned you know, through experience is that. It's like 
we are in relationship with people who are doing amazing organizing work around justice issues, whether it's against torture, against police violence, or against gentrification. Uh, and, and this is the way in which we've been able to offer that. So being in the organizing meeting, and then there's one other element to it. We don't actually, all these songs are not songs that are just written by us and then shared. That's one dynamic, right? You can show up and give them a song. But there's this amazing thing that happens when you work with a group of people right. to write a song together. And oh, so wow. what we've done in, the la in recent years is say, what's your campaign? What's the message? Who's the audience? Who's the tone? So we, I'm not going to go through the whole workshop that we do <laughs> with you, but we have a way in which we compose songs with communities. And then they feel a lot of ownership over the song. So there's two types of workshops we do. Right. One is composing songs, and the other one is teaching people to lead them. So if we're not there, they can still lead that song in the street. And one of my, my favorite examples of that is here in New York State, there's a group called RAP, Release Aging People from Prison. And some people, we were in a meeting, and some people came to the meeting who had been locked up for decades. But some of their friends who are, who are, who are already elderly folks, they're still in jail. And, they're, and the Board of Corrections, and, and they continue to deny them every time their, their case comes up. And so this, this group does this activism. They're going to go up to Albany. So they called me in. They said, come and, and write some songs with us. We want to have songs in our protest. We've seen what you do. And I get into the room, and a bunch of people say, cool, I'm glad you're here. What are the songs? And I said, no, we're going to write them together. And they said, we don't write songs. <laughs> and I said, well, let's see how it goes. You know, I said, what do you want to tell Governor Cuomo? And they were like, we, well, these people, our, our elders should be home with us. And I was like, okay, good. That's a good start. Well, so let's go around the circle one by one, talk about what, why should our elders be home with us. And, and someone I'll never forget, one of the, the men who had been incarcerated for many years, he said, He's on, we need their love, and they need our love. And so, again, two weeks later, we get off the bus in Albany and walk through the streets of the Capitol singing, Our elders should be home with us Cause every day they need our love Our elders should be home with us Cause every day we need, we need their love. And there's this beautiful thing that happened because it was actually the love of the people. It wasn't just our rage at mass incarceration or these policies. It was our love for the people who are incarcerated that filled the Capitol that day. And that was only possible, not because of a song that we wrote, because we're against that injustice, because a song that community wrote. Can I play a song that you wrote, Lou? called I, uh, This Is All For You. Oh, yeah. Which I think goes right into what you were just saying. Sure. Yeah. Let's just hear a little bit of it. This is all for you. When you locked up and hidden, I'ma call for you. I'ma smuggle in hope through these walls for you. You overwhelmed cause these prisons too small for you. And there's a world out there and it's all for you. I know, most days all we wanna do is bomb my dude. The hood's full of crack and we falling through But we could die my dude or we could rise my dude It's up to you but we gotta be deciding soon And I need you to know I see divine in you I see God in you I see a kid who's about to beat the odds in you And it's time It's time to pull up like sit-ups and finish your bit up You've been a beginner, it's time to be bigger Your mind getting fitter, you faster than Twitter Imagine a world where you were the winner, where you were the writer Where you were the fighter Imagine New York without no one at Rikers Imagine the Bronx without no one at Rikers. With no one at Rikers. Mm -hmm. yeah, when did you write that? Um, it must have been around 2015 uh, yeah. when I was working with a group uh, 
called Voices Unbroken and doing education, uh, poetry and hip hop with young people who are incarcerated. So I was at that time, that was a poem written directly for uh, young men who are locked up in, here in New York City. Your lessons, um, I read on your website, uh, deal with racism, qualities of manhood, Usian brutality. Chris, Chris and I came up with the term Usian instead of American. Or U.S.ian. U.S. We don't U- like Ama- we don't like American because there are too many other Americans, and we we, we have no right to state violence. And, and, they, <laughs> and those other Americans probably would like to separate sure. from this identity. Right. So sure. you're, you're you're free to use the term Usian brutality. Um, <laughs> importance of diversity. I'm sure there's other issues. How do you choose the issues that you're going to? Yeah, in many you're going to you know focus on in many in many of the same ways uh, working with any school or community uh, we approach approach that conversation um, by entering into whatever conversation they might be having on campus. So a lot of people bring us in. Uh, a lot of schools and community centers bring us in for a week of uh, solidarity work or a week around uh, ending homophobia on school grounds or a week about tackling issues of manhood and masculinity, um, sexism and misogyny. And so we enter into the conversations that the young people might already be having. And uh, if not, then of course we have curriculum built off of the the um, the old staples um, that we're all taking on all the isms, and there's plenty of there's plenty of conversation around that everywhere. You you, you certainly pick up a lot of lot of issues. What age group do you work with? Well, uh, like the poem said, <laughs> grad That's school to third graders. graders. <laughs> third graders. Okay. I, I thought I heard that. I thought I yeah, heard that. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's, it's yeah. true. I mean, and you uh, had a workshop well, at NYU not uh, so long ago. Well, I was teaching at NYU uh, film and television. Right. It's important to say. Um, and I always incorporate uh, poetry into the mix. Or maybe so I'm I went, thinking I went Columbia. To, Columbia. Yes, Columbia, you no, you're thinking of New School. At, well, Teachers College, yes. Yep. Uh, we have partnerships with them. And uh, we work with them in different high schools, um, also on, on campus. Uh, but at the new school, uh, Luaya and the last MC, Emmanuel, uh, were teaching a course on. So we taught a class called Peace to the Poets, which is actually <laughs> named from the poem that we did. And it was a history of protest music and poetry in the okay. U.S. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, for, it was for the teachers. So we, no, the teachers work that was at Teachers College in Columbia. Yeah. We actually taught an undergraduate class with a history professor who is a friend of ours we know through Witness Against Torture mm-hmm. named Jeremy. Jeremy Varon? Jeremy yes. Varon, <laughs> yeah. So we Amazing taught a class guy. with him at the new school. Small world. That's right. Nice. One of the things that has always impressed me most or, or, or reached me most about you guys <clears throat> is the simplicity of what you do. Mm. It is so simple. The songs are so simple. The words are so simple. They're easy to learn. There, there's no, there's no, none of this stuff, oh, we're artists and therefore you can't mm. understand us. Mm. <laughs> right, right. Thank you. Thank you for saying that, Chris, because a big part of um, what we do and our belief, our values is art for all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we, we truly believe in, in um, when we enter into a classroom that everybody in mm-hmm. that room has the ability uh, to express their story, their own story, in powerful right. ways. And we tap into that. We, we have some tools in our tool belt to tap into that. Um, but everybody inherently is an artist, is a creator, coming from, from creation. And uh, we, we truly believe that. So it takes some of the curse off of this, the, the word poetry. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget working with like third graders in Queens. Right. And at the beginning, just being like, all right, who's a poet? And they were like, poet? What? I'm not sure. And then writing the, cool, if you, if you express your feelings and we do, we have a whole workshop where they start to write, tell their stories, places they love, things they appreciate, what parts of nature they connect to. By the end of the class, you ask a great, the, the same group of third graders, all right, who's a poet? I'm me, a me, poet. Me, I'm me, a me. poet. <laughs> and, and for me, the, the reason that's precious is because poets are the people who are part of our job is to think outside the box. And that's what, when looking at society, we need so desperately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, a huge uh, point I really want to make also is, is um, that we dispel the idea of it, elitism um, in art as yeah. well. That, that mm-hmm. uh, poetry is only for dead white men. Um, and, and okay, then, I, okay <laughs> I like Robert Frost, though. Okay, uh, no, the, n- nothing against <laughs> dead white men as, as well. There nothing are a few dead white women. But, in uh, that, that's right. <laughs> but but also but but I think what it points to is is um, the curriculums that that are taught in schools, where if we the same way that we speak about language arts in this way, um, that when we talk about history, we're we're talking about whose history, and what what poetry, whose history is valued, whose stories are the most valuable. And that's something that, again, um, we work to dispel, uh, especially in communities across the, the city mm. where people might not regard themselves as poets, as artists, but definitely have powerful stories to tell. As artists, and you two, all five of you are artists, where do you draw your inspiration from? I'm, I'm, I'm talking stylistically. Oh, yeah. uh, is it like American folk? Is it, it is obviously hip hop. It's Indian chant, kind of Native American. Mm kind of sounds where do you get your sounds from what, what, what inspires you when you when you start putting something together yeah. what do you hear i grew up on on uh, on hip hop all day mm-hmm. uh every day and so throughout high school um abe franz um myself and emmanuel would be switching around cds from most deaf to um uh, Talib Kweli, Common, Dead Prez, mm. Lauren Hill. So it's what you grew uh, up with, your neighborhood. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in many ways. Yeah. yeah. You? How about, how about what, you? What were your inspirations? Tchaikovsky? <laughs> Could be. I mean, I, I feel like the, the rest of the crew, a lot of times when we're asked this question, has this huge span of, of both... You know, because people ask you both, what are your influences within hip-hop and then just in general? And I feel like we both have that as a crew, that eclectic love of all different types of music. And for me personally, I think, yeah, the point is, uh, as my, uh, when I asked my former mentor, uh, who's passed on, Father Berrigan, I said, you know, so... When you thought about using the poetry, what was the way in which it was important for you? And he kind of laughed and he said, it was never about the poetry, right? And so for him, I feel similarly about art personally, uh, that for me, it's absolutely not about art. It's about life. It's about communication and it's about standing up for justice and liberation. And this happens to be one of the ways in which life expresses itself is through music and poetry, which I believe in the power of, the magic of, like with every fiber of my being. You know, so I'm a, I'm a stand for art and how much I love music. Like I said, like anyone who knows me since I was born, I was that kid singing. So my uncle would be like, yo, man, who sings that song? And I'd be like, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know. He's like, well, yeah, we'll figure it out and let them sing it. You know, I was that, <laughs> I was that, I was that kid nice. who never stopped singing. Uh, yeah. And I still am, you know. And, right. and so I believe in music. But I also want to say that it comes back to the question around, around art and elitism. Because more than I believe or I draw inspiration from 
just artists. It's again, it's about people who live life, right? It's about Auntie Carla who holds it down, you know, at the Catholic worker and loves people in a way that for me is art. You know, that that I see in the way that uh, Karen and Sean at Benin Casa Community right around the corner, they welcome people into their home. That to me is art. Uh, those are the artists that inspire me because it's connected. The way they are is connected to their life. The way I sing, I want to be connected to my life. The same way that I look at people, I want to be able to sing with people, sing to people. I don't, I don't want to present art that's beautiful, that's disconnected from the way in which I walk or the way in which I treat strangers, the way in which I treat my family. And I, and it, I think that's probably a unique answer to this idea of who is your in, artistic inspiration because it's not that I want to not say I'm inspired and I draw from all types of traditions because actually the real answer is I do draw from all types mm -hmm. of traditions that a lot of the music that we make, first and foremost, I think, is black music. It's, it's music that has its roots in Africa and it's like it's flourishing here in an African-American community. And because like our uncle Keith Sokola teaches us many of the things that we're taught not to see as the influences of American rock, pop, all that stuff are actually native rhythms or are, native, are based in native tradition. So those are the two traditions that I always want to raise up uh, as also influencing us. Well, there's, there's another one. Uh, all five of you guys have Latino influences. For sure. Hispanic music, mm -hmm. language, etc. Mm -hmm. um, how much do um, people like Pablo Milanes and, and mm -hmm. Victor Jara influence I mean, that, that's got to be something that's very close to you guys as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I would say, um, I don't know if so much of the sound itself, but I think the lifestyle as an artist and the call to, to speak right. on reality and to step into that position of, of uh, empowerment as an artist, to, to speak up for your community uh, in the name of your community, in the name of justice, I definitely... I love that we're part of that tradition and that legacy, that those ancestors are, are holding us down, um, that have our back, and that we're walking with them in so many ways. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you, there was something that you mentioned earlier, Lou, about um, that artists uh, are doing their art for not the wrong reason, with the wrong emphasis. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm getting it right, but it seems to me when I hear your work, the work of the peace poets, there is no ego there. There is no, like, me, me, me. I'm here for me. It's like I'm here for the message or for, for the, the idea, for the community. Um, I'm not presenting my personality so much, though your personalities are there. Uh, am I on to anything there? I mean, we can't avoid ego. We don't avoid it, you know what I mean? We can't, right. like, within our group, we have, you know, every we experience the struggles that come with the human you know existence of, of carrying your ego and 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 though i do think we have a hold as a value uh the that the people have the wisdom and so that we don't have the wisdom as the artist we're not going to write the best song without the truth of the people without the experience and the wisdom and the communication and the relationships i think that's true uh, I think we i think but we aspire and frankie probably agree with me we aspire to live uh, to take away our ego and to honor uh, and let our music be a tool. We always think of music as both a weapon as well as medicine. Mm. So that we, when we take ourselves out of it and try to offer the best possible weapon for our struggle and the best possible medicine for our pain. It's interesting you say a weapon. So how, how does that manifest? Do you, are you accusatory sometimes in the poetry? Are you, do you demand? I mean, is it... Is it confrontational sometimes? 
Because so far, what I've heard Definitely. sounds very yeah. peaceful. Thanks for asking yeah. that. Yeah. And, and again, peace is, well, peace is not the absence of conflict, but the ability right. to cope with it. Right, and, right, and, right. And, and again, you know, just like Lou's had said earlier, um, peace poets at a time of war definitely calls for demanding okay. <laughs> justice and okay. but but a lot of the organizers that we work with they'll just text us and say here here are the demands put it in a poem <laughs> put it in a song or figure out a way that here here are the messages um can we figure out a, a way to bring people in through art and so a weapon of that sort a weapon in, in terms of of uh, liberation and creation um maybe not so much in the style of a gun. No, I understand. Um, yeah, absolutely. But I'm trying to think about what's a good example of that. So it's absolutely confrontational, and I, there's moments in which it's to make us, to rile us up and make us more yeah. aggressive, mm. uh, when it's to tap into our rage, mm. right, and to connect us around right. our common rage. And then there's other moments where it's a little bit of a shield. And I think that we have songs for police accountability mm -hmm. or for police violence that are examples of that. And so one of them might be um, one that goes like this. Another black family morning. What's this country got to say? They killed an unarmed brother and nobody had to pay. But now what's that say? What's that say? But now what's that say? What's that say? Either you racist or you fighting for a change. Yeah, yeah. Either you racist or you fighting for a change. And then we go through to say another black sister murdered and and nobody had to pay another black cousin murdered right and so we're saying we're, we're it's a weapon because we're saying you want to make this about the details of mr garner was selling cigarettes no we all saw him be murdered because of the color of his skin and we right. saw the, the police be not held accountable because of the color of his skin but you're no, asking for accountability definitely and and no matter something that i've noticed over the years is no matter how aggressive or how uh how much you call out mm. the, the cops or the, the powers that be, mm. there's always the other side of it. There's always the love. Mm. It's, it's, it, even in your angriest songs, mm. there's the love. Yeah. Is that love there for the police? No. No, <laughs> not as, not not no, for the institution of police. Not, not for the institution for the person that stands in front of you. But but for the love of our people, that's what it's really rooted. If to, to be totally honest, right. love of people, love of life, which includes, of course, all human beings. But not to get it twisted, that that's like we are showing up for Romarley Graham, from for uh, Romarley Graham, or for Trayvon Martin, or for Eric Garner. Mm -hmm. First off and foremost, in the face of state violence. And that that's uh, not to take away from that either. Right. And I might have a but, but we're also loving people, <laughs> and that's gonna come out. And well, I, I, think, I will say know, this actually because about yeah. that, there's the this might be a unique perspective, but to me, if I am fighting to get a police officer fired, if I'm if I'm fighting to hold them accountable for any act of violence, for any act of discrimination, to stop stop and frisk, but even them individually, if I'm gonna call out their violence, that is an act of love for the police. For me, like. As a white-skinned person in America, every single time I fight racism, that's an act of love for white people. Right. Am I gonna Am I gonna try to change their whole way of thinking? Am I gonna stop their business as usual? Am I gonna interrupt their daily life and their comfort and their convenience? All that, absolutely. And is that gonna Are they gonna be angry about that? Absolutely. Is that gonna be an act of love in my mind? Absolutely. It's the oppressor mm. that's the most damned. 
Yeah. That is so difficult. I, I just saw a man out on 59th Street at Columbus Circle with his huge flag in front of the Trump Tower there yeah. uh, with, you know, I love Trump, Trump, uh, MAGA. It was this huge, huge flag. And it's like, I, I just wanted to go and sock him. It's a diff- different, uh, I think, is language, right? And so that love is a different thing. That, uh, that love means I accept, I accept you for all your violence. I accept you for all your hatred. That's not true love. Uh, in yeah. the way that Luaya just just yeah. broke it down. It's, yeah. Yeah. So, no, it's not. And we know love is dysfunctional in this world. <laughs> and, <laughs> we're working you know, on it. Yeah, we're, I guess we're that, that idea is like, it. and it's kind of crazy to think about it, but it's like with children, right? You know, like loving them doesn't always make them giving them what they want or that's making right. them happy. Right. You know, it's actually love is being like, no, this is the wisdom that's better for you because it's better for our family because it's better for our community. You need to be lifted up. So your web browser is tuned to Bar Crawl Radio because you know that the best conversations happen at your neighborhood bar. We are talking with two of the peace poets, Frank Lopez and Lou Aya, with our co-host for poetry. What is it good for? Chris Brandt. <laughs> and we will be right back. Oye, mi gente, traemos la fuerza. La libertad is mi única bandera. Rise up, my people, my condors, my eagles. No human being will ever be illegal. Oye, mi gente, traemos la fuerza. La libertad is mi única bandera. Rise up, my people, my condors, my eagles. Let's look at some of the specific issues that you guys address. You've done work on problems in city housing, climate change, femicide in Juarez, Mexico, the broken incarceration system in the U.S., the invasion of Native American lands. But I'd like to focus on your take on police police violence in our country. Your work has addressed the police killings of Sean Bell, Michael Brown, Ramali Graham, who was killed in his bathroom after police broke into his house without a warrant. Let's take a closer look at your song, I Can't Breathe, written for Eric Garner, murdered by the NYPD, as we know. No officers were indicted. Let's listen to a piece of I Can't Breathe by the Peace Poets, and then let's talk about how it was received. I still hear my brother crying, I can't breathe. Now I'm in the struggle singing, I can't leave. We call it out the violence of these racist police. And we ain't gonna stop till our people are free. I can hear my neighbor crying, I can't breathe. Now I'm in the struggle and I can't leave. Calling out the violence of the racist police. We ain't gonna stop till people are free. And uh, that's why Samuel Jackson is an actor and not a singer. But uh, he, 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 oh, that was beautiful. Uh, it was. How it was. It was, beautiful. it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Um, this this kind of this um, piece went wild. I mean, it was it went all over the place. And this happens with your pieces. They, they do that. Well, let's let's start maybe with the Errol, Errol Garner. Like, like what 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 did you want to say about that? 
I think the most important part is that that was the time in which our community was ready to take action. That's right. That that was after the Ferguson Rebellion, uh, which we had the honor to be a part of, and ten days after Michael Brown was was murdered and left dead for four hours, bleeding to death in the street. Um, we were in Ferguson marching with the young people there. We were inspired, like we said before. We take the leadership from the people, right? That for uh, that that inspired us. That that made us feel like the second that an indictment or non-indictment, which we knew was not going to be an indictment for all the officers involved in the killing, and we only had the hope that Pantaleo, who had his arm around Eric Garner's neck mm-hmm. and murdered him when he was saying "I can't breathe," would be indicted. But we thought it was likely, and unfortunately, we are correct that he even would not be indicted. And so, again, in an organizing meeting, uh, we came and we said, look, we have a song to sing when we're, we're going to take the, take the streets and we're going we're gonna to do civil disobedience because we refuse to let business as usual continue. And so that, we offered that song in that moment. Uh, what were we trying to say? We were trying to say, we can hear our brother crying, I can't breathe. Right, and during that time, it was a, we were in the art organizing mm. meeting where we were talking about the coffins and the logistics of bringing these cardboard coffins mm-hmm. uh, to, the, um, to the rally where uh, eventually, as we know, mm-hmm. around 3,000 people showed up to block the Manhattan and the Brooklyn Bridge. And we were talking about the coffins that had the names of people who had been killed by the NYPD on them. And Lou had that song where he then went into the direct action meeting. So he went from the art meeting with the song into the direct action meeting to, to teach it to the people that were going to stand in solidarity with parents who were going to, parents of loved ones who had been killed by the NYPD to block the Manhattan Bridge at that time. Mm-hmm. And so during that direct action, blocking that bridge, um, so many people were out in the streets, uh, but CNN was covering it, and they videotaped uh, the parents uh, blocking the Manhattan Bridge with the coffins, singing that song. From there, there was a DJ host, a radio host, mm-hmm. who um, heard the song in Atlanta and created a social media challenge uh, saying, hey, everyone, sing this song and make it viral. Um, sing this song, these are the lyrics. And so people were, were activated to sing the song and share it online. Uh, uh, lifting up their, not only lifting up their beautiful voices and all these different ways with instrumentation and harmony and all of that, but also lifting up the story of Eric Garner, uh, first off and foremost. Mm-hmm. Something that came from a direct action. And then from there, Samuel Jackson saw one of those videos that went viral and then uh, challenge celebrities to use their platforms to sing the song and again lift up the story of Eric Garner and the demands for justice. And it was about the same time that people were dumping ice on their heads. That's right. Right. And he was saying, come on, guys. Right. Let's get serious here. Yeah. It was like around that time, it was like, oh, it's hashtag some kind of challenge, right? And so it was like, here's a challenge you can do. Uh, Sing this song about holding police accountable for murder. So have things changed in New York with the police? I think that we, one of the things that we need to raise up is the legacy of the police as a force that enforces white supremacist policies since the time of people being enslaved in this country and that that's where the, the police were born from and unfortunately uh, still conduct white supremacist policies 
and and what I mean by that is you just look at the numbers. That doesn't. I'm not. That's not a political idea. It's a statistical idea. There's criminalized neighborhoods in New York City. Frankie was an organizer during the Stop, Stop, and Frisk campaign. We were looking at actual numbers of the black and brown people being stopped. You know, at much like very. Uh, the, the rates at which they were stopped was just showed an actual documentation of obvious racist policies by the NYPD. Has that, that policy has since changed. Is the practices of the NYPD changed? Do people still get killed by the police with impunity? Absolutely. We have to talk about Witness Against Torture. Uh, Chris is a member of Witness Against Torture. Frank and Lou are witness uh, against torture. Mm-hmm. I'm a witness of Witness Against Torture. I've been there uh, mm-hmm. two years. Chris you, the experience of being in those orange suits as you protest Guantanamo and march around Washington, D.C., in front of Trump Tower, in front of Trump Hotel, in front of the White House, and you're wearing those suits with the hoods on your heads, what does it feel like to have a Frank, a Lou there, who is, I mean, what do they do for you? A security blanket. <laughs> um, it 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 pulls us together. The 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 simplicity of the language and the and the beauty of the of the music that these guys have done for us makes us closer as a unit. I mean, we do these things anyway of, of uh, circles and, and spiritual check-ins and things like that and so on. And that's all very important. But what really does it is the music. And the, the fact that music is coming back into our movement in the, in the last 10 years or so is just an enormous change, an enormous change. Mm-hmm. We, I say we lost the music. We didn't have the music. The civil rights movement had the music mm. back in the 60s. We had chance when, when it got to uh, Vietnam and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, anti-nuke. no, we won't go. Yeah, anti-nuke stuff and so forth. We didn't have songs. I mean, we sang the civil rights songs. Everybody sang We yeah. Shall Overcome and That's so forth. That's been part of protest, those songs. For, yeah, but yeah. not in the way that these songs are the peace poet songs the peace poet songs and the and the the fact that it pulls us it pulls us really together it makes mm. us into a tighter unit and i got to say it because of all the love that's in the songs and mm. in the way that the peace poets interact with the rest of us um, it it suffuses our whole demonstration. Mm. A, a lot of us still do direct action and and um, civil resistance and so forth, and uh, and get arrested and have to go to court and all that kind of thing. Um, but it wouldn't be so joyous an activity. But marching around Washington D.C. in orange jumpsuits and black hoods, representing the men in Guantanamo doesn't sound like a joyous thing and yet it is a joyous thing and I put a lot of the credit for that on the Peace Poets. That's amazing. Frank and Lou, I've seen you in action. I've I've seen, I saw Frank this year, I saw Lou last year. Uh, um, You're obviously leaders of this Watt community uh, when you're there. 
How do you make your choices? How do you decide? Is it in the moment? Is it the spirit of the, of the, of the room, the people? How do you work it? Yeah, so I'm so glad that I'm actually, obviously our listeners can't, can't see it. But I'm wearing the Justice for Muslims Collective shirt, mm-hmm. um, which uh, our friend Dr. Maha Hilal uh, gave me. And so a lot of the leadership is uh, from Maha and also the, the collective and other organizers in, in uh, D.C. Um, who are... Uh, I'm, I'm taking yes, a picture. Taking a picture. <laughs> who are um, checking in with us about what uh, cases are happening at the, at the moment, um, where, to, where to support and how. And of course, what comes out to, to witness and support in any way. I, I've really never met such a um, willing group of people that are like, hey, here's my body. Um, we are allies. Let's, let's show up. And where do you need me? And so that gives a lot of space in leadership, in organizing, to then say, I need you right here, um, doing this theatrical element to this piece and singing this song um, or holding this banner or whatever it might be. Um, and so there are some creative choices, but also directives taken from uh, Muslim uh, community leadership. It, it, it must take an emotional, spiritual kind of... Um a lot of energy to do this. I know we invited you in our last program in D.C. Yes. and you were wiped, Frank. <laughs> I was wiped. Um, so it it, yes. uh, it takes a lot out of you. Yeah, that day. Well, that day we had we had circles, we had meeting circles, we had I was hosting uh, the concert as well, and then we had, of course, our day of direct action, January 11th. Right. And by that time, you I was, were you were you were really really. I needed busy. to sleep. Who would have thought? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're saying that there's many types of tired, and yeah. there's nothing no tired that is as beautiful as when That's you right. yeah. use use your talents, your hands, your feet, your voice to yeah. in the struggle for justice for your people. I That's slept with a smile that night for sure. That's right. That's so right. <laughs> to be tired for doing a good job, mm. a worthwhile job. And I feel really called into just saying that there's many people doing what we're doing. It's absolutely true that our songs have spread and are used by people around the country for climate justice and migrant justice, uh, for police accountability. And I'm excited to say that we're not the only ones writing new movement songs, that there's people doing it and there's people using music in a powerful way. And we're really look at all, all of our communities as our leaders who are doing the organizing, the ones who put in hours every day to organize for justice. Uh, and we look at the other people who are also making music for the movement as our allies, and we're excited to work with any of them however we can to continue mm-hmm. to infuse our social movements with music because we believe in the power of music that is necessary for our liberation. You have a lot of albums out there. You have books out there uh, mm-hmm. that, that you've published. Can well, you give us like a heads up? Where can our listeners go to learn more about the Peace Poets, to hear your music, maybe, you know, March 7th, where you're performing, and... Uh, Maybe you want to say that again. Sure. So, so again, uh, Songs in the Key of Resistance is an open jam session. We're not the highlight or the feature. We're just part of that community where people come with um, ideas for songs as well as campaigns that they need songs for. Mm-hmm. And so it's a beautiful way to, to maybe, song maybe share. we should cover that. And that's March 7th. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I we think should. we should if yeah. we can, if they'll yeah. let us. That'd be great. I, I have we to will s- not actually be at be, that we'll, next one. Yeah, we'll, we'll be, be in Colorado. Colorado. And what's what happening you, in Colorado? Yeah. So we're, we're actually part of an initiative with this, 
uh, some friends from a group called the Flowbots, where we're going to be exploring the most effective ways to use poetry and music to influence the election, to try to unelect hate, to okay. by any means necessary, to connect to communities, to try to have experiences in idea. which we overcome some of the boundaries that have been placed between us and these really div- divisive times so that we can actually, um, yeah, like I said, by any means necessary, unelect this What are you doing election night? Ooh, I'm not sure, but the, but the hope is leading up to it is that we're going to be getting people to sing songs that affirm their promise to humanity, uh, which by nature is going to affirm their commitment to, again, unelect this administration. Uh, one thing I would want to uplift is uh, um, as far as we don't usually do a lot of promotion of our own art uh, besides like, hey, show up to this action hmm. that other people are doing that we're supporting with music. But uh, some songs that we have, uh, we, we do have a new song called Shaking Ground with our uncle Keith Sakola and featuring many other artists from Dr. Drum, from Bombayo to Taina Sili, Sankofa, um, many other artists as well. And so that song is called Shaking Ground. It's on Spotify, iTunes, any musical platform. And it's in honor of um, the uh, Standing Rock uprising and people defending the land and the water and all of the indigenous leadership um, that is been at the forefront of climate justice. And say the name again, and where do we see it? Shaking Ground. Shaking Ground. By the Peace Poets. Uh, you asked about our influences and, and musically, and and I responded about our the way in which we live our lives and all the people who live in a good way, but didn't specifically name our elders. So the question would be like, who are your elders, and who are you, who are your influences in that way? And I, I would raise up Dr. Drum and Keith Sakola and for, for, for Father Berrigan, uh, as well as uh, our sister Davidica, who's a Lakota sister who lives on Pine, in Pine Ridge and in North Dakota. Uh, and we've, we've just been so blessed to have amazing elders in our lives uh, that to us, we're, yeah, we don't walk alone. We, we, we are looking at also uh, Kari, uh, Lazar White, and Jason Warwin, uh, Susan Wilcox, who are the directors for many years of the Brotherhood Sister Soul. Uh, and those are our elders, and so the part of the reason we get to do what we do in the world is because we've been blessed by having them in our lives. That's right. We do, we do what we do because they did what they did. And you guys say that you do not walk alone. Mm. That's one of the great lines from one of the songs we sing down in D.C. with, mm. with Witness Against Torture is, Courage Muslim Brothers, you, you do, do not, not walk, walk alone. alone. You want to try it? Well, actually, sure. I would actually, if it's okay with you all, we sing a song that we often close our gatherings oh, with yeah. that is also called Never Alone, uh, and it honors every single time we show up. It was written for the protests in which we gather, and we might be a small amount of people in the streets that day. Uh, it might just be you listening to this show right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so important to remember. Um, you are not alone. You are not alone. Right? Yesterday I was in a high school with, with a bunch of young people in a community center, also with a bunch of young people. And we, we, at the end of the gathering, we, we connected our arms. You know, we, we linked our arms together and we looked at each other. And we said, we, uh, we said, it's so important to remember how we're connected. And so this is for all our people out there. We love y'all just trying to live in a good way. We yes, want to send yes. you love and respect and blessings to, the, to every single effort that you are taking to embrace your human family, to live in a good way, to respect your elders, to respect the children, to learn from each other. Again, we love you, and, uh, and we just want to remind you that you're never alone by singing this song for you. Because I have not come here alone. Mm. Uh, I carry my people 
in my bones. That's right. Yeah. I have not come here alone. And if you listen, you can hear them in my soul. Come Sing on. it with us. I have not, I have not come, come here alone. I carry my people. That's right. I carry my people in my bones. I have not, I have not, I have not come here alone. And if you listen, you can hear them in my soul. Right. Thank y'all so much. Thank you for singing with us. So Thank you for listening to us. This has been Mala. Bar Crawl Radio. Hey. And we've been talking with two of the Peace Poets, five young men from the Bronx, lifelong friends who write, perform, and teach the poetry of peace and spread love wherever they go. You're tuned to the Poetry What Is It Good For podcast. Let us know if you want to receive the Poetry What Is It Good For newsletter with updates on our postings. You can write us at poetrygoodfor, that's one word, poetrygoodfor at gmail.com. And consider donating to our efforts at our website, poetrygoodfor.com. And a great big thank you to Tim Gopperud for giving us permission to use his composition, Fantasia on Three French Carols, performed by Carrie Vecchioni on oboe and Ralph Erdahl on double bass, otherwise known as Oboe Bass.